This podcast is brought to you by Rib It Up. Okay, so I want the public to know this is take two because I, Eric, messed up. And y'all can't see me, but I'm waving my hand in the air because I messed up. <laughs> Anyways, I'm not even going to do what I was going to do. I'm going to make this quick and simple. Follow me on Twitter at JustLikeWater17, STC Media. It's been a long day. Shout out to all the boys behind the scenes. Get at us if you have any questions. Want to get your podcast up and running? You need podcast training. It's going to cost you, but we can take care of you. We have a very special guest tonight. There will be some introductions coming. Of course, we have Iva. We have Tanilia. I'm going to pass it to Tanilia to introduce our guest. Hello. Thank you, Eric. Well, I'm excited today because we have Council President Wardine Alexander here. So I'm excited because I'm ready to learn. I know, right? A lot about (laughs) Miss Alexander. Thank you for being here. Well, hello. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. All right, Wardane, tell me a joke. <laughs> All right, you all have seen Wizard of Oz, right? Right. So what did the tin man say when he got run over by a steamroller? Rats foil again. <laughs> <laughs> that was okay. good. All right, that was good. all right. That, it, it, yeah, we're going to give you some right, snaps thank on you. that. I like and it. I'm, I'm going to share the fact that what? It wasn't even an hour ago. You didn't have your joke yet. <laughs> I so sure that's did what... not. <laughs> that <laughs> so was that ain't good. Bad. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, Wardane, uh, do you mind me calling you Wardane? I do not mind at all. Thank you. And We all cousins in here. That's right. We all right. cousins in here. That's right. So, um, you know, a lot of people have seen you and they know you're the city council president. But let's back up to day one, right? I know you're proud. We know the high school. Yeah, I mean, all mighty mighty so, dragon. And and I want you to tell us a little bit of your path, how you got here, and I want to be sure that you you dot the i's and cross the t's as far as how much neighborhood and community you know involvement you had before you even ran for office? Well, thank you. Of course, I did grow up in Winona, in, in Roosevelt City, and I attended Winona High School. Uh, during my time that I worked in, for a pharmaceutical company, I was actually a personal a trainer, not a personal trainer, an educational trainer, and okay. I onboarded staff. And most of the staff that we brought on were recent college graduates. I found that most of those employees, when they came on, they still were lacking some of the soft skills, some of the skills they needed, where they can go into the job and actually perform the job within the time that we wanted them to. Mm -hmm. So that started me to look at the Birmingham City Schools. And I thought, how are we preparing our students so that they can go out and work in the workforce? Mm -hmm. And so that's really what got me into politics to begin with, was seeing that need, wanting to be sure that our students were trained well. And so I was uh, saw that the current board member at that time resigned from the position. Mm -hmm. And so you only had to apply and then you would be chosen and selected by the current members of the school board. Mm -hmm. And so I went through that selection process and I was appointed to the school board in 20. 
13. All right. How many people voted mm-hmm. against you? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? For that particular one, it, I actually had unanimous consent. Right. Everyone on the current school board at that time, they wanted me to get on. So right. that's what started me. I, I'll have to be honest with you. I thought it was just an appointed position. I did not know until I got into the position that you're going to have to run for a political office. Yeah. I thought it was just starting on a school board. Hold so, on now. Hold on right there. I talked to... Dr. Arrington, Dr. Richard Arrington about some of everything, Mm -hmm. right? And he said that one of the things that he regretted the most was supporting an elected school board versus an appointed school board. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? And you know what? That's very interesting. I, I look at it in both ways. When you run for an office, you have a desire. You feel that you have a certain ability and you want to bring about change. When you're appointed, sometimes that can be, uh, friends, you know people, mm-hmm. and that's how you get on there. So I look a little bit at what uh, what are you seeking, what do you really mm-hmm. want out of that, and when you put yourself out there in a political nature and you're asking people to vote for you, I think that makes you a little bit more dedicated to wanting to get the good results. So well, I can see right. two different things on that. You but did, I've been but appointed and on. elected. Yeah, but yes. now check this out. You know, one of my arguments and something that Tanelia and I talk about, I'm sure a lot of people talk about is, it feels like elections are popularity contests yeah. and that people aren't yes. really paying attention to resumes yes. and whatnot. So yes. how do you how do you comport those two? You and know that, I mean? and that, there is a sense of that. Yeah. I, I can see people feeling that way. But you know what? Today, in today's world, you have to get out and you really have to be true to yourself and true to the people that you're talking to. So with mm-hmm. canvassing, uh, being sure that you're out and about with the public, they get to know you, then I think they, they really get a full sense of who you are. So you have to be honest because there's some transparency. You have to be transparent. And uh, you can't hide behind it when you get out there and actually start running and talking with the residents and trying to gain their vote. So uh-huh. I think that makes it that much more important. Now, not only were you on the Birmingham School Board, but you were eventually the president of the Birmingham yes, School yes. Board. After, I forgot about that. that yeah. After serving two years, I actually succeeded Randall Woodfin. He was the president at the time that I served, and then he, after two years, then he stepped down, and then I ran for that position, and I got to serve for the last two years of All our right, term. Two, two questions. What was the mayor like on the <laughs> on the school board? What was he like working with and whatnot? Well, he actually, I found him to be very strategic, very okay. smart. Okay. Um, and the strategic part is what I really enjoyed by working with him. Very smart young man. Of course, he's young enough to be my son. <laughs> so uh, that would put a different dynamic with it. But um, And he was just very focused. And he really, I didn't know that he had been around the school board for several years before he actually became elected. So he was really invested and wanted to make that change. And I was a little surprised when he decided to run for mayor because mm-hmm. he was doing such a great job with the school board. So I just have a, a great admiration for him and again i said first the one word i would use is strategic mm-hmm. i'm good well let's that's enough about yes. him for yes, today now what is what is your um proudest moment on the school board what what do you feel like you know what i i, I did that well what i love the most was that during the time that we were on the school board we had two things that i really have to say i was proud of one that what we did get all of our schools were academically uh, certified or mm. they were um, had accreditation right. while we were on the school board. And then the fact that we brought in the pre-K classes 
for students and those were free. So that started children earlier at four years old. We know now three is not even too early, but it was putting in those pre-K uh, pre-K classrooms in just about every elementary school, and that opened the opportunity for parents to start their children earlier in mm. the learning process. Mm. So I was very proud of that. And I'm you. Brought, I'm glad you brought that up because th- there's this thing about you know the second graders being up to reading level By and the third grade. The, yes. Tell, tell me what's going on with that whole debate, and 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 where are you on it? Well, we have found that, and this is something I learned while on the school board, if a child is not up to their reading level by the third grade, they're going to have enormous trouble as they matriculate through their Mm -hmm. other classes. There is not only the piece of reading, but being able to interpret and absorb what you read. And Mm -hmm. you find that what we find in a lot of our community, we don't do a lot of communication. We don't do a lot of reading with our children. So the earlier we start that, talking to our children, um, eliciting conversation with them, being sure they read. Nothing's wrong with reading a book Mm -hmm. every week or reading to your child at an early age because they struggle if they're not up to their reading level at that third grade. And it causes them a lot of trouble as they go through the higher grades. Isn't that Mm -hmm. considered tracking? And I guess if you want to call it that, but I even found that. And see, look at it. When I was talking about working in my field, these children had already gone, or these young adults had finished college, but they were still having trouble learning how to read an SOP, learning how to follow directions. And they had already graduated in a four-year college. So it starts early, and those processes really start early. So, And where I wanted, part of what I was asking, though, was, this debate with the legislature and the governor oh. and how COVID has impacted our schools. Oh, definitely. You know, what, what, give me some input. And I think they're back and they're, they're trying to back off of that requirement right now because we know that all of our children were challenged during COVID. And when we went to learning remote And sometimes if you didn't have a parent there with that child to motivate them and to be sure that they were doing their lesson at that time they need, of course there was going to be that learning, what do you call it, a slump, or uh, they weren't going to be up to the level that they should be. So I'm hopeful that the legislators will back off of that requirement and give them another year or so because there there is a uh, learning deficiency because of COVID. And we know that's not just in Birmingham City Schools. That has to be around the, the nation, yeah. but m- maybe even more in our community, though, because do our children have all of the the tools that they needed to learn and to matriculate during yeah. the COVID period? That's one thing with me I know I focused on a lot with my son. Yes. Because I have a third grader. How old is he? Okay, third grader. Yeah, I have a third grader, and I noticed, um, especially when during COVID, I don't think they were rude. The kids weren't paying attention. Um, I don't think they were, the teachers were really taking it serious. So I had to take it upon myself to just make sure my child was, you know, meeting the requirements. I could so see to speak. that. You know, and I thought about it. I don't know what I would have done if I had been a parent of a school age child during this time. Because when you think that you were trying to work mm-hmm. and you were trying to make a living and then you also had trying to get daycare and things for your children and then you needed to be there with them to motivate them Mm -hmm. I I just my hats off to parents during this time and for Mm -hmm. um, individuals like you have children that young I just want to say that I thank you all and I really uh, am encouraged by what you all have done during this process yeah thank you for what you do because yeah it was rough (laughs) I can can only imagine now Tanelia I want to throw you in here real quick you know um, as a parent and a very engaged and involved parent, 
Uh, what do you see lacking from the parent side? Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about that a lot. We talk about the teachers. We talk about administration. Mm-hmm. But, you know, me personally, I feel like it all starts and ends at, at home. home. At home. Yeah, kind of what I said. Um, mm-hmm. I was actually having this conversation today, and it's so funny. You all know, were talking about reading mm-hmm. because I was having that conversation. We, as a community, we don't like to read. Mm-hmm. And I think Who is we? <laughs> well, well, I'm not going to say all of us because, you know, I love to read. But a lot of us don't like to read. They, they always say you want to, you know, put some up there to read. Mm-hmm. They're not going to pay attention. But I think um, just spending, like you said, spending quality time, making sure that the kids are learning, making sure that they are behaving. You know, I, I feel like as far as we don't understand how hard the teachers have it. You know, you have mm-hmm. all these kids oh, yes. for this certain mm-hmm. amount of hours and you have all these different personalities. Some kids are acting out. So I just being more involved, more, you know, communicating with the teacher and figuring out what it is that they need to make their job easier. You know, I'm glad to hear you say that because I think a lot of parents now have a true appreciation for educators Mm -hmm. and what they've been dealing with all along. And so once you saw what they were dealing with Mm -hmm. on a daily basis and you just have your one child, you think if you've got 20 children in the classroom that you're trying Mm -hmm. to manage. So a deep appreciation for Mm -hmm. parents and educators. Yeah. Well, you're the city council president, but I, you know, I got one last question yes. as far as the school board mm-hmm. is concerned. Give them some advice. Give the current <laughs> school board some advice. Here's what I would say to any one of the nine individuals that are now serving on the school board. Remember your role. Do not get into the weeds. It is mm. the superintendent and the principals that run the schools. Your role is to act upon recommendations of the superintendent. So So, stay in your lane. That's exactly what I was going to say. She just told a whole bunch of people (laughs) to not put the turn signal on (laughs) and drive straight. Right. I like that. Right. It makes things, it really makes things work good. And I'm very encouraged by this school board. I went to their swearing in, and I'm just excited for each one of those individuals. So I look forward to working with them. I am too. Well, uh, we're going to take a quick break and uh, pay some bills. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the city council in and of itself. Looking forward to it. Hello, this is Jefferson County Sheriff Mark Petway, inviting you to join the conversation that we've started around bridging the gap to build communities that are safe and well-connected. Let's all work together to ensure that Jefferson County is a safe place for all who call it home. I got so excited. Yes, we just paid some bills. Thank you to all of our wonderful advertising partners. Iva said we was about to do the dozens, and I thought we was going to go around the room making jokes. And I had a few (laughs) jokes ready about y'all's mamas. You don't want this smoke. You do not want it. (laughs) But then I realized I I can't make mama jokes um, in a room like this. What you say about my mama? (laughs) So there will be no playing of the dozens. I'm disappointed. I'm going to sit over here and pout. <laughs> Iva, take it away, my man. Well, we are going to play the dozens, but it isn't those kind of dozens, right? We're going to do Tanelia's dozens, Miss Council President. Oh, Tanelia's going to make mama jokes. Okay. Uh, all right. Now, first of all, I want you to tell me what, just name your the, off the top of your head, your favorite nonprofit, your favorite charity. The American Red Cross. All right. American Red Cross. So... When she asks, she's going to ask you 12 this or that questions, right? Okay. If you don't answer, 
anyone you don't answer, you have to make a twenty dollar donation, donation to the Red Cross. Red Cross. Okay, I like okay? That. so right. you answer it, or I'm checking off and I'll pay twenty dollars. Then you gotta pay <laughs> up. All right. right, you ready? I'm ready. Are Let's you go. Ready, I'm ready, Miss Alexander. So. Okay, <laughs> Ricky Smiley or Roy Wood Jr. Ricky Smiley. Mm-hmm. Okay, Eugene's Hot Chicken or Hattie B's. Eugene's hot chicken. Okay. Throwback one. I like this one. The Heritage Festival or City Stages? Ooh, City Stages. Ooh, a good one. Okay. Hmm. Green Acres or your mama's? Green Acres. Okay, okay, okay. Rip it up or Jim and Nick's? Jim and Nick's. Civil Rights Museum or the Negro League Museum? I still like the Civil Rights Museum. Okay. Sneaky Pete's or Gus's hot dogs? Sneaky Pete's. She ain't caught up. Best law dog. Best law dog. I know. <laughs> Reuben Stuttered or Eddie Kendricks? Reuben Stuttered. Because okay. mm. I got some good ones. Alabama Theater or the Lyric Theater? Alabama Theater. Okay. I'm going to do some more. The Greek Festival or Fiesta? The Greek Festival. You're good. You, you look. You shoot I right. Mean, right on the <laughs> Okay. Dread River Distillery Company or Good People Brewing Company? Oh, Dread River. Okay. Dread River. Okay. Okay. Mm. I know, right? <laughs> she said she wasn't giving nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Got one more. Okay. Hmm. Let me give you a good one. Okay. Um, let's do Barber Motorsports Museum or the Southern Museum of Flight. Barber's Motorsports. Well, since you didn't give any money, I'm going <laughs> to pledge to give blood to the American Perfect. Red Cross well, for yeah. you. Well, how and, about I give it with you? All right, let's well, get this done. thank you all. Don't I actually used to work there. I worked there for 22 years, and this time of the year is always a bad time for them to get blood donations. Yeah. So I hope you will, and you know, uh, we always have trouble getting uh, certain blood types. So, yeah, because I'm O positive. Oh, they need you. They need you. Too. What, you're exactly what they need. Well, yes. We're going to give, we gonna right. give blood in the next week <laughs> Wonderful, or wonderful. All right. Tanea, you had a question for me? I do, because I know we're leading into this, so getting to know you and everything that you do on the city council. So after the school board, what made you decide to run for city council? Well, again, it was almost the same route as going out for the school board. I was sitting at home one day. I was retired. And I was sitting at home and heard the news that my current counselor was stepping down from the position. And I thought to myself, well, Wardeen, you've been out there working in the community. You've been the president of the school board. You see the needs that are going on in your district. Uh, I lived in a part of District 7 that has a lot of need and needed a lot of work. And so I thought, let me put myself out there and see if they will allow me to sit in that seat so that I could bring some change. And I really thought... I really thought I had the experience and the need for what I'd like to see the city. Well, kudos to you because I think you're doing an awesome job. Oh, well, thank you so much. That really makes Mm -hmm. me feel good. That's awesome. Well, as it relates to the Birmingham City Council, you know, y'all take a lot of heat for smoke that needs to go to the mayor, right? (laughs) Yes. And sometimes people don't quite understand the roles of government, the Mayor Council Act. Yes. Educate us on exactly what the city council does and then what 
as the president, your job is? Well, and I just had this conversation today, so it's a very good question. And it's something that really is meaningful to me. Because I feel that a lot of problems that the residents have with their city councilor is they don't understand the role of a city councilor. Here's what we do in a nutshell. We regulate, we advocate, and we educate for our citizens. The biggest part of our role is regulate. And that means enacting ordinances and rules and laws that affect and govern our city. As far as advocate, we have a responsibility to advocate for our residents. We need to speak up, talk for them, try to get the changes from them, and then educate. I, I add that one myself because it's important to me that residents understand our role as a city council, but also what they can do to help the city mm -hmm. be better. Absolutely. And so let's just say I have a pothole <laughs> right in front of my house, right? Yes. Who do I call? You dial 311. No, I will. I want to know which one of y'all. <laughs> I want you. <laughs> I want you. And, and here's the thing. And Mayor Whitman, we just had a uh, opportunity to talk with the mayor and spend time with the mayor. And one of the things he wanted to ask us, our program is only get as better as we utilize it. And mm -hmm. so if we're jumping in all the time and we're not allowing the 311 mm -hmm. process to work, then we're circumventing what that process should be. Now, we want to hold people accountable. I want them to answer the phone. I want them to be nice to residents, but we want action as well. But we only get, make it better with 311. Here's why. I can't call public works. I can't call a director of a department. None of them report to me. That's all through the mayor because of the mayor council act. So in some ways you're circumventing the process by leaving it with me. We let's start out with 311 first and it goes directly to that department director. That's that's very well said. That, so that anything, really is. So anything, if I need my grass cut, anything, I need to call Those issues where you're working with city services, and especially primarily, I'm sure most of their calls center around uh, potholes, getting a yard cut, uh, things in the street, uh, different ordinances that people need help with. But for those type issues, now, of course, that does not prevent you. I want to hear from you in D7. All right. the councilors want to hear from their constituents. So I'm not saying don't call a counselor. But when you want those cities type services, then you do need to start with 311. Now, what I do in my district is that we do have a hotline that we say, once you call 311, then you call my hotline, and mm -hmm. then we'll follow up for you. And each counselor is different in that respect. But, well, i got to give a shout out to my city council person, yes, Crystal Smith. I'll, that is my pro tem. I love her. Pro tem. <laughs> yes, yes. And um, she she advocates the same thing. You know, call three one one, but let her know. That's right. That That's way right. she can follow yes. up on it. So yes. as it, uh, we know what the council does. Uh, those advocate, educate, educate, and more importantly, regulate and regulate. But as the president of the council. What does that mean? Well, it means, one, that you are working with and for the other eight counselors. So it's a leadership role. Uh, one of the primary functions is that now I am the chair of the committee of the whole. Mm -hmm. And this is like the entire council coming together where we discuss issues. So I look at myself as like a coach. 
and mm-hmm. someone that has the X's and the O's, and I meet the needs of the counselors, ensuring that they have what they need by working with the council administrative team, and then also being that liaison between the council and the mayor. But the mayor does a good job of working with each individual counselor. But one of the things that I thought when we were going through the process of looking for leadership on the council is uh, one of the things that I asked, told the counselors that I would do would bring structure and organization and transparency to that role. And so I think that's very important. Well, let me ask you this now. Um, those are the, you know, the official duties yes. and whatnot. I want to know the accoutrements, right? <laughs> What's the fun part? Like, do you yeah. get a bigger office? Uh-huh. I mean, you know what I'm saying? What's, What's the, the fun? But where are the perks? Well, the office is one of the largest offices, and you do get your own personal bathroom with a shower, mm-hmm. which I have okay. not, used, which I've not used yet. I still find myself going into the public restroom. So, <laughs> uh, but it's large enough because you often you're going to have people in the office. Uh, there's a table and chair in there, conference type table where you can entertain more people. So I would say that's the perk. But along with that comes a lot of work because not only are you managing the council, you you cannot forget your district. Right. And I think that mm-hmm. sometimes is what happens when you get into this role. So it's important to me to still focus on my district as well as meeting the needs of the other eight counselors. Okay. And how do you, for the people who don't know, how does the city council select the, the city council president? How does that... It's actually another political process. It's where you go out and uh, you lobby for the other eight members to get at least five counselors that will support you, I guess yourself and four of the counselors, to put you in that leadership role. Okay. And so I was very excited to see that I did get both Council Pro Tem and I did get unanimous votes. And sometimes those votes can be split, but it was important to this council and it shows you how we wanted to start out day one with a sense of teamwork. Now, does that mean we're always going to always get along? Are we always going to agree on everything? Is everything always going to be a 9-0 vote? No. I would be foolish to think that. But I love the fact that we're all team-oriented and goal-oriented at this point. And we bring into that 9, our 10th member is the mayor. And I enjoy the fact that this council sees the importance of that. And I want to stress again, though, we're not going to always agree. But what we are committed to is to learn how to agree to disagree. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, um, let's talk about that council, yes. right? We got all these ladies on the council. We got young people on the council. Tell me, tell us about the council makeup, um, the interesting uh, um, things that are going on. Well, the nice how thing many is, females are on the council? I just love it all. <laughs> this isn't the first time that we've actually had a female-dominated council. When Councilor Smitherman's mother was uh, the president served, there were five women on the council at that time. What this is history-making, though, is that the leadership, the president and the pro tem, are both female. Outstanding. So this has really brought that change, and we're excited about that. And so when I think about it, let me just talk in a nutshell about the council. Yeah. And again, my father was a teacher. My mother was a school secretary. So I talk a lot in education terms. And I think of us as we have our senior We have Mrs. Abbott serve the longest on that council. We look to her for her knowledge, Mm -hmm. her um, history with the city of Birmingham. Then we have our juniors. We have Councilor Williams, O'Quinn, and who's my third one that's already served on the council? I can't even think now. Um, No, no, no. Who are my juniors? We have Williams, O'Quinn, I can't think of my third one, but I'll get back to them later. Then we have the sophomores. The sophomores are Councilor Smitherman, 
Councillor Woods and myself. Okay. And then I have my freshman, and that will be Councillors Tate, Councillor Moore, and Councillor Clark. So we're excited again to have all of us. So we think of ourselves in those terms, like you got your freshmen, you got your seniors, yeah. you got your juniors, and we all feel we have a role. Outstanding. Now, I want to know about this money. Yes. Where I, I want to know two things, right? I want to know where you're going to spend the money and the make it visual for me what what am i going to see differently right i love the fact and and you know i say all the time pave roads and you 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 gonna make me happy yes, yes, right yes. but what extra things are you guys looking to do as well well we have this 35 million dollars and this will be bring transformative change to the city of Birmingham. So we're putting those dollars into different categories. The first thing is that each counselor would receive a million dollars for discretionary funding. So that means I can be specific. Uh, each counselor can put that money to specific projects in their district. Uh, for the other, outside of the other nine million, then we'll be looking at community development. We'll also be talking about economic development. We want to put, put some money into affordable housing. We want to help small businesses. And so there's just all types of things that we can do for our residents with this bucket of money. Like what does what do you mean when you say economic development? Economic development, we're going to put money again into small businesses so that we can have a level playing field for someone who wants to own a business. We can bring them up to that level, give them that capital so that they can invest, and that way we can get different type of businesses in our community. Also, when we talk about bringing in homes, that means that we have affordable housing, so now people will be able to live, work, and play in a community where they not only work, but then they have good quality of life, living opportunity. And all of those we can bring into the city. Now, with regards to that $1 million that each council uh, person has, Let's give a shout out to D7. Yeah. What is D7 going to get out of that? Let me tell you. And, and let me tell you, I've had many calls about that already. Now, what I did prior to getting this money was going to neighborhood presidents and saying, what do you feel you need? I have 19 neighborhoods in District 7. One of the first things I'm going to spend my money on is mitigating some of the flooding problems. I have some oh, residents that are underwater. That's wonderful. They have put their money and sank all of their money into their home, and the flooding is causing them problems with their homes. And so I have two neighbors in particular that over in the uh, Oxmoor Valley area, and that water just rushes mm -hmm. into their home. And uh, this lady has lived in this home most of her life. I think she grew up in that home, and now she's living in that home. And so one of the things I want to do is do some mitigation to alleviate that flooding. The next thing I want to do, I have so many snaggletooth neighborhoods within District 7. This is where one, one house, house may be sitting mm -hmm. on one street by itself. I am committed to bringing, we're going to go up, we're going to put some rooftops over there so that they will have an opportunity again to bring families into D7 but make it affordable. And those are my two goals and the one thing I want to put my money into for that. And of course there are other projects that may come along the way. Uh, I will also go into a RFP type process that if you have a good project but you have measurable goals and outcomes then we'll consider that if you meet what we feel the needs are for the residents in D7. Okay. I just I, I always feel like we don't have enough time, so we are going to have to get you to come I back. I would really love now, to come first back. First, I got to get the rest of your your counterparts on. Here. Let's, and that's all of that's right. That's why I know they're going to love it, and yes. I'm going to. I really would like for you because they all. 
uh, would want to tell their story and be able to touch out and let people know what they want to do for the city of Birmingham. Well, thank you so much for coming. You know how much I love you. Well, thank you. I love you, too. I appreciate you. We wish you the absolute best. We uh, wish this council the absolute best. Thank you. And I think we're going to take it out with one last joke. I was going to say, you don't want me to sing? Yeah, you can say, not, just not, we going to save it this time. So tell me the joke again. What do you call a fish with no eyes? What do you call a fish with no eyes? I'm turning off every mic. I'm shutting off the mixer. And I'm turning off the lights. Y'all got to get out of my room. All right, y'all. Thank you for tuning in again, and we'll see you next week. We want to thank City Council President Wardeen Alexander for joining us. We want to thank you for listening. And on the next Intravenous with Iva, we'll have John Archibald. We're powered by Creed 63. And as always, thank you to UrbanHam.com. God bless.